Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is my co-host, Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Sure, I hope you remember me by now. I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing, China. I miss Beijing. You should. <laughs> Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail dot com. We love the bridge. I've been looking at animals and cities, and you know, I found out that Wuhan has an animal because they have a football team that originally came from Shenzhen, and they used to be called the Najas, which is a kind of snake, but now they are called the Gators. Oh, so go Wuhan Gators! And、uh, you know, Beijing has a, a few sports teams, and one of them is the Ducks. The Ducks, yeah. I'm just saying, Gator versus Duck. Take that, Alex. Oh wow, you're really <laughs> adding to this rivalry thing that we're that doesn't exist. Okay, we'll make it happen. We'll make it All happen.、Right. Yeah, we get what we need to do is get a duck and an alligator and put them in a ring and see what what goes down. I'm just saying, Wuhan <laughs> is going to come out on top. <laughs> we'll see. We'll we'll cast our vote right now for the CBA. Uh, next year, and whoever wins, I hope CBA hears us and gives us like a special <laughs> honor or something. I want to talk today about food shortages. Well, not specifically, but just disparity, wealth disparity in、mm-hmm. the United States. A lot of people are dealing with very real situations that are caused by inflation、mm-hmm. and、uh, employment problems. You know, there is very low unemployment in the United States, but a lot of that is due to two different reasons, as far as I understand. One, people have stopped looking for jobs because of early retirement,、yeah. moving, and just giving up on working fast food jobs that don't pay very much. And then another thing is minimum wage hasn't gone up in what seems like forever, and it's like around seven dollars. I only found out recently in some states if you are a tipped worker, you can be paid as low as two or three dollars an hour, and then ex- they expect the tips to make up the difference. So it's unfathomably bad for these kinds of people that are dealing with an, a rising inflation. Moratoriums on evictions are going away now in different states, so people are being evicted, which is good and bad because some people own those places, and I guess their income is dependent upon people renting. But you know that is going to increase the homeless situation, which is over five hundred and eighty thousand. Yeah. So people are dealing with very real, very tragic situations across the United States right now. We talked about the you know the rental situation in a, in the United States. I'm, I'm glad you're talking、mm-hmm. about this、mm-hmm. other thing that is almost uniquely American, which is the tipping system. If I remember correctly, you can tip. In the UK, but it's not guaranteed. Like it's not required. For example, your waiter.、Mm. This happened too. Like your waiter would not chase you out of the restaurant and tell you that you did <laughs> didn't pay.、Uh, you didn't mm, tip mm, enough,、mm. which happened to us in the in the、um, in the US. It's actually kind of masking the problem of people not being paid a decent、mm. living wage, and it puts it puts mm, it on you.、Mm. On how well you perform at your job, but I'm like, that's just not, that's not how how that's not how the, the rest of the world、uh, thinks about service. We I had this conversation with my boyfriend when we were eating at、um, I think Heidi Lao, one of those places that are known for their service in China, and mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. said, "Oh, do these people get tips?" I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, we don't get tips, and they're not serving you because they expect you to give them more money. 
on top of what you're already paying. This is what's, you know, they are all of them. Most of the restaurant servers in China, if they work for even a small restaurant, they will most likely have room and board. And of course, their meal is covered by the restaurants. And mm-hmm. even if sometimes they have to live in sort of a, a, a dormitory situation, they will have a place to stay and they have a livable wage. They have a salary that is going to support uh, whatever they want to do, basically. It's really not that shabby at all. You know, can I talk about Heidi Lau for a second? I think that's an interesting topic. My <laughs> wife and I like to taunt the Heidi Lau people. And the reason is they are so incredibly good at their job. So sometimes when you're like going and you get your own private person, your waiter or waitress just stands there like often, Uh not all the time, but like half the time. And they're just waiting to anything you need. Your drink goes down. They're going to fill it up. They're just like, so my wife and I like to play this game (laughs) where we know that they can't always 100% of the time be at the table. Uh So as soon as they turn their backs, we slam our little glass and fill it up ourselves really fast so when they get back there's nothing for them to do when they see that we did it and like we just take care of ourselves really fast when their back is turned so that they're like oh why did they do but you know they're the attention is incredible by the way yeah that's one thing i we were really uncomfortable with when we're living in the u.s like we would be in the restaurant and then the waiter would just keep coming over and be like would you like more water i'm like no i'm having a conversation (laughs) stay away from me but yeah tips is you know it's almost a tragedy because you know i think tips originally probably decades ago in the United States were meant to show like, hey, good job. Yeah. And now like the restaurant will literally pay you less money because now they expect the customer to make that up. It's like a second tax yeah. that if someone doesn't give it to them, then the waiter or waitress is out money that the restaurant should in my opinion, my opinion, should be paying them in the first place. I'm with you on that. And that's why people sometimes people are like, oh, these these uh, servers, the service people, the waiting staff in China, uh, they don't serve you like people in the states to da 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 i'm like well they take your order they <laughs> they bring your food to the table and then they take the empty plates away what more do you expect them to do and then sometimes one day i know there are people who are very good at providing service and people who are naturally just outgoing and and lovable mm-hmm. who work mm-hmm. as waiters and waitresses and that's great but there are also people who are literally just doing that so that you don't tip them you don't give them a small tip because mm. that's all they have to live with yeah you know th- obviously we've talked about this before a lot of people are choosing not to go back into the service industry at this time mm. some people are choosing just to live with mom and dad and like to have their own you know it's passive income kind of situation or yeah. you know so like it's very strange america's going through a lot of changes right now but what is very obvious is that while most people are worse off the corporations are making the highest profits like they've ever made and like CEOs are making more money. Like Elon Musk is is scheduled to become like a trillionaire in the next six or seven years. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The world's first trillionaire. While we have almost, you know, half or more than a half a million homeless people. It seems like America's priorities are a little messed up. I want to talk about an article that came out on Bloomberg. It's really hot on uh, Twitter and uh, on Reddit. Mm -hmm. And so Bloomberg said that for people who were making less than 300,000, so poor people, I guess... (laughs) What a strange number to choose yes. that they should eat lentils instead of meat. So, you know, it comes to mind like let them eat cake, but now it's let them eat lentils. So they there's a, a very short list of some of the things that Bloomberg suggested that poor people do. I guess take the bus, 
don't buy in bulk and try lentils instead of meat. Oh, God. No, and then they said, nobody said this would be fun. Wow. So America has like the most wealth of any nation in the world. Not PPP. China actually does. Purchasing power parity. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just GDP right off the bat, Americans are very well off uh, or should be. But the wealth disparity is so disgustingly wide now that they're saying that maybe you don't get to eat meat. And like they're they're telling people suggestions. People, wealthy people on Bloomberg are telling people that they're going to have to eat lentils. Firstly, if I made 300000 or even 250000 I would be so happy. And I'm certainly not just going to be eating lentils. Right? That's such an odd number. Like I know. No. How out of touch is Bloomberg? Like how how people would say, oh, I would love to make six figure salary. Now it's like, you know, you need to, you need to triple that. And then if you don't triple it, eat lentils. Oh, wow. And so so there's some really funny. Uh, I, this is from the DC Weekly. And there's some funny responses that people had. And one of them was uh, bathe once a week, save soap and water, uh, try one ply toilet paper, <laughs> try fasting every day. Who needs food? Don't mow the lawn, <laughs> eat it. And he, I, I really enjoyed another one. Hang on. Hang on one second. Eat free food from dirty tables. Lick your fingers clean instead of wasting money. <laughs> like, so I think that there's a disconnect, you know, based on like the wealthy people or the people who are making media don't seem to understand the realities of someone who has to work 60 hours or 80 hours, depending on tips, and is barely able to make the rent so that they don't become a homeless person. They do not understand the struggle. They do not understand the shape of the struggle. They do not understand what it is like to be poor. And they're, they should, they really should not be giving out tips like that. That is just ludicrously like out of place. Absolutely. I just want them to, I just want to ask them, did they look at how many people in America are making less than $300,000 a year? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. You know, okay, this is something that Biden said after the United States uh, declared sanctions on Russia because, you know, a lot of wheat is grown in Russia. Like, I'm not coming out any way on either side of how that war is yeah, going or whatever. I, it's none of my business, really. But, like, Biden said that, quote, food shortages are going to be real. So, wait a minute. Uh, we can afford, like, a trillion dollars on the budget for the military, but people are going to have to starve. I think, you know, there, again, people in the le- in leadership positions in the United States clearly do not understand how to govern or what's going on. I... <sighs> I know we don't want to talk about. <laughs> I, I have this urge inside of me that's trying to jump out. But let's just say that, you know, I feel like the American government has other issues that really kind of precedes over issues on how the people are living their lives. And it's kind of just ridiculous how and Bloomberg is such a respected media outlet for them to say, like, just I can't, it's so ridiculous when you when we were looking at this this episode's uh prep material and I was like I was trying to figure out that title of the article I'm like let them eat lentils I was like is this <laughs> is this is this is this like another like vegetarian or vegan you know <laughs> you know uh, a campaign or whatever and from what I remember lentils are not cheap like if you want the same amount of protein from lentils you need to eat a lot of them it's not like it's, it's not even about lentils I like lentils this is but you know this isn't about that this is I think it's just about the like disconnect between the people who are making the rules and the people who have to follow by the rules. So I'm talking about media and government here. Like, it doesn't seem like the people who are supposed to be guiding America are even aware of what America is really like for most people. 
So, you know, gas prices, you know, I feel for people with gas prices, but I also don't a little. So I don't mean to be hard on like people who are really struggling and they have a long commute. But like, you know, gas prices have been steep before. You know, one thing I don't have is a car. I live in a big city. I take I I take I walk to work. I'm very fortunate or I, I cycle or, you know, I do take the bus. You know, that's a preference for me. I always hated cars. Like, mm-hmm. I always thought cars were bad. So this is just a Jason thing. I want to go into this a little <laughs> bit. I'm going to go about Jason for a minute. So, like, you know, I feel like cars are really bad. You know, like, they release carbon to the environment and the, you have to pay for them mm-hmm. or make a payment. You have to pay for insurance. You have to t- rotate the tires, change the tires, change the oil, add water, do repairs. You have to sometimes buy a parking place or pay for parking when you take it out. And then when you get to where your location, you have to come back to the same location you left your car in order to go. So for me, like cars always seem ridiculous. Now, for me, it seems more environmentally friendly to use like an Uber. In China, we have DD, which is even cheaper and better. And uh, you can just wherever you end up being, you can say, "Okay, I'm ready to go home and you can just take a DD. Now, you don't need one person can share a car, you know, with dozens of other people. So like you don't need to have your own own car that went through a manufacturing process and then minerals were extracted from a mountain and mercury was put inside which might eventually end up polluting the environment and now i want to also talk about evs i don't mean to come off real bad ev but you know how and it's very environmentally disastrous making batteries, just making the batteries yeah for evs and if we're going to be making i don't know a couple billion EV electronic vehicle cars we're talking about an enormously catastrophic impact on on the earth so like I don't think that's the solution either so <laughs> you know I do feel going back to where we where we were that it's bad that gas prices are going up for Americans because they're already hurting yeah they're already being paid less than inflation and inflation is out of control in the United States yeah. uh, it's like seven eight nine percent and some particular products that some people rely on like carpentry the inflation's like a thousand percent on some things yeah so like people are really really hurting and gas prices are contributing to that pain and i understand people you know they can't just walk to work in america it's in in, in a lot of situations people live in the suburbs and they have to commute and so it just looks like they're being hit from every single direction in the united states right now absolutely and it's just you know i feel like because we're always talking about america is the country on the wheels because of the car manufacturing Mm industry and and i guess america needed that economic economic boost back then um to be the leading country to make cars which was providing you know a lot of convenience for people to have some to experience something Mm -hmm. that they've never had or you know something that was as uh that was treated as kind of a privilege for upper class and everybody could have that understandable but like you said you and i i think we share the this experience or or understanding like we all grew up in cities where public transportation is just pretty accessible and very sufficient right like at least at least i i want to say like beijing and tianjin like for example there are two neighboring cities but still like if you drive it's going to take Mm. two and a half hours you know give or take but if you Mm. take the train the the high-speed train it's like 30 minutes i was talking to a friend the other day and he's like i was telling him my commute to to work from where i live to where it is i was like it takes me sometimes almost an hour and he goes you could go to tianjin and come back in that (laughs) much time i was like yeah that's true it's just there are so many options
emotions now and driving and and i guess like with with ev a lot of people are not really realizing it because like you know ev manufacturers are really advertising it as an alternative to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. traditional you know fuel energy cars and that how it doesn't emit uh, uh wastes and stuff but you I think what you're saying is really important. Like the process of making those batteries, I guess they just don't talk about it. They don't talk about it well, there's yet. Certain, yeah, it's a, it's a trade-off, right? Between one kind of pollution and a different kind of pollution. And of course, like, yeah. you know, there was a time in the United States where they had like trams and trains everywhere. And like in the 50s and 60s, a lot of the big automotive industries bought up all of those those networks and got rid of them. And then highways were put in everywhere. And now Americans are very dependent upon cars. Yeah. Now, now I'm not saying that China is like doing way, way better or something. But China still has the option of taking the high speed train between pretty much any city, any major city in the country basically right now they have high speed rail everywhere which is economical too i don't have to own a car i don't have to make a payment i don't have to pay for gas i don't have to change my oil if i want to go to beijing i get on a high speed train and i'm there in a few hours and it costs in us dollars like i don't know 50 bucks or something it's something like that yeah. yeah and it's super fast i'm there like i don't know, three or four hours or something i don't actually remember but it's fast it's like yeah. you, you know you look up and it says we're going 320 kilometers per hour or something and you can stand a coin up on its side in the window it's pretty convenient oh i haven't done that yet next time you gotta I'm try that <laughs> you gotta yeah that's true oh i never tr- i've yeah, never it's, tried it's it good footage for your you know your instagram stuff i'll let you know when i film it <laughs> I think there are more problems than the problems economically that the United States is taking mm-hmm. on. They almost turned the student loan tap back on. Yeah. Like a couple days ago, they were going to make it end in like uh, 20 days or something. So students would have to start paying back their loans. We're talking about, okay, so this is, okay, I don't want to keep trashing Biden <laughs> because I don't want people to think I'm just like a Republican. I am not a Republican or a Democrat. I like see myself as a centrist or whatever you call it. Yeah. As a, I'm just a person. But Biden recently is gaslighting the American public by saying, oh, well, this is the best economy we've had. In, what are you talking about? That is either he doesn't understand or he's trying to make convince people that are doing well, that everyone's doing well, because that is not true. So, OK, in, in addition to the seven, eight, nine percent inflation and in addition to the gas prices skyrocketing, in addition to the the problem with wages not going up stagnant wages and in addition to the moratoriums on like evictions and the half a million homeless people in rising we also have the student loan crisis which is 1.7 trillion dollars some people say 1.6 1.8 1.9 whatever it's big and a lot of people owe unfathomably large amounts of money that they've been paying on for 10, 20, 30 years. And they're actually yep. growing in size there. Even though they've never, people have never missed a payment. They owe more now than they owed when they started. So you have people retiring with student loans, using their retirement savings to pay on their student loans. They've been paying their entire life. Basically. Isn't that the most ridiculous thing? <laughs> it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. So like, I mean, if you are a, a young person and you're 30, you're looking at your life in America right now. And what hope can you have? 
for the future. You can't afford to buy a home. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to pay your student loans. You can't afford to buy food. Apparently, you have to eat lentils now. <laughs> Maybe that's a little <laughs> bit hyperbole. Just poking fun at you, Bloomberg. I hope you're listening. But like, then on top of this, we still haven't even gotten to medical debt. Recently, Biden gaslit people by saying, oh, you can just get insurance for $10 a month. No, you can't. You're talking about like two or three percent of the American public are so poor yeah. that they are they can get it for that. And for those people, that is expensive, actually. And then most everyone else is spending thousands and thousands of dollars a year to have insurance that they still have to pay premiums on every time they want to yes. get any kind of procedure, even if just an investigation, like you want a colonoscopy, just to check you're 55 years old to make sure everything's going well. You know, you're going to pay hundreds of dollars before the your insurance kicks in to pay for the rest that you don't have because the economy is not going so well for most people. Yes, There are some people at the top of this very elongated pyramid that are, everything's fine for you, but Mm -hmm. like the rest of the country, not so fine. And it's really disturbing that the leadership aren't taking the necessary steps to help people. Here here is my, you know, bold and naive guess of, you know, why it is kind of um, a problem right now for the current leadership because the i feel like if you look at these people's age the the leaders um for the past Mm -hmm. they get into the white house when they are sorry not the white house i mean they start their political career when they're like maybe Mm -hmm. 30 um if if not you know uh, earlier the 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 America they were mm. you know living in yeah. was the the sixties and the seventies and then you know I guess they stopped sort of looking at reality because when you get really deep into politics your reality comes from other politicians and your sponsors your your donors and your when you go into the Congress, you go into the White House, it becomes even the lobbyists, you know, people who are not really in touch with mm-hmm. actual people living um, as Americans. And then with like, you know, people say like 10 years as a generation or even three years as a generation, there's so many generational changes. Um, so I guess like out of touch is mm-hmm. what they are. Like, like we've been saying, you know, I, I feel when I was growing up, And, you know, I I was born in the late 70s. I was growing up in the 80s. Everyone was always talking about this idea of the American dream. And so, you know, I have this vision in my head. Maybe it's not the same as everyone else's, Mm -hmm. but it involves like a small home and a dog. I guess two and 2.3 children, you know, (laughs) that point. Yeah, that point three child, the easier to take care of. They require less. It's much, (laughs) you know, like uh, and, you know. A happy couple, I guess, yeah. and maybe a white picket fence. Kind of. So basically in my head, I would see a family and a home. Yep. That would be, you know, all the other stuff that accompanies that, whether you have to go to college or not, or if you have a stable job or not. However, it provides, you know, the, it seemed like the U.S., that was what I was going to grow up and that's what I was going to have. Mm. And that was going to be, that's the future of the American youth. That's, But it's not, that's not what's going on. That is not the situation people are being brought up into. They're being brought up into basically like a situation where they can't afford a home. Now, it's interesting, and I I am going to sell China here a bit. I moved to (laughs) China 10 years ago, and I got a Mm -hmm. similar job that I would have got pay for in the United States. But costs of living were reasonable. And, you know, like Xi Jinping recently said, 
uh, homes are for living in, not for speculation. Yeah. So like the government manages home purchases so that corporations just can't buy them up. Jack and up rent the them price. Yep. Like what's ha- yeah, that's what's happening right now in Wall Street. They're just companies buying up, you know, hundreds of thousands of homes and just turning them over to renters. So creating a permanent renting society here in China. Like I currently, because I've been living here long enough, if I wanted to, I could buy a home. And I'm not talking about I could buy a home and make mortgage payments. Yeah. I mean, I could buy a home and it would be mine. And I also, you know, I was looking at um, real estate recently. Mm-hmm. I went down the street and they have 1.3% non-adjustable rate interest on loans for mortgages. So you buy a home, and if you can't afford all of it, you could buy half of it or whatever, 20%, like they do in America. Yeah. And then your the actual money that you end up paying to interest is, is nominal. It's very affordable. You go to America, the 2007-2008 housing crisis, you had all these people with uh, – they did not have – verified income, which is a problem, but that also had adjustable interest rates. So as soon as the bank needed more money or the economic situation in America turned, the bank could say, oh, because of X, Y, and Z factors, Mm. your interest is going to double. So like now you are paying 12, 13%, 14% interest on your home. Of course, who can pay for that unless you're already rich? Like you have to be wealthy to take out a loan to pay interest that is in like a credit card. That is crazy. So what I'm trying to say is like I can go to the store. I can go out to a restaurant. If I really wanted to, I could afford to go to a restaurant every meal. (laughs) <laughs> and I would still be able to save money in China. And I would still be able to buy a home in China. I would still be able to buy my clothes at a branded clothing store. And I would still, like, everything would be fine. I don't do that. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I eat at home a lot. You can. I can, though. And it's just, what I'm trying to say is the American dream is alive and well in China. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a great way to, to bring it back to this. I was not expecting that last sentence, but that was really... Uh, that was something, Jason. <laughs> but no, that is really uh, kind of great. But sorry, I was kind of having the same conversation with my boyfriend as well. Uh, I think we went to a restaurant and I think each of us spent like mm. 350. So it was like seven or 800 quad. And I was like, oh, my God, it's such an expensive dinner. It's like, you know, and then he's like, he goes, if you think about how much you have to spend on a regular meal, not like, you know, like. A, a wonderful, you know, mm. almost like Michelin kind of level meal in the States, it'll cost you more than this. And I was like, you know what? Oh, yeah. You're actually correct. Like if the two of us go mm. to say like just an ordinary Italian restaurant, I would decide to have mm. two glasses of wine each that'll totally, that'll easily bring it up to like $200 or mm. something with tips included. Since you mentioned Michelin and you live in Beijing, there is a Xinjiang restaurant on the west side of Shisa, you know, or Xicheng. Uh-huh. And it is a, uh, it, they serve this beef that is just, it melts. It's like beef that melts. It's one, <laughs> it's a one-star Michelin restaurant. Oh, wow. And you can pay like 20 or 30 kwai. So we're talking like five bucks. What's this you know? place called? <laughs> I don't actually know the name because it's like in Chinese and my Chinese is terrible. <laughs> but 
you know, you could reach out to my wife for it. But it's it's on the west side. It's a Xinjiang restaurant. It's in near a community called what is it? Uh, oh, it's oh, I can't. I'll let you know later. But it's it, but it's yes, so please. cheap. So yeah, yeah, you could go. I know what you're talking about. In the Guamao area, there are all these really nice five star Michelin restaurants that are like really yeah yeah. I usually don't go to those for the same reason you guys were initially reticent. I'm like you know, but I go to Heidi Lao and I spend four hundred. I'll I'll go there. Yeah, and I'll be like you know that's like I don't. Know, $70-80 in US. But I don't go to Heidi Lao all the time either. That's like a once every couple <laughs> months kind of thing too. If you look at any one factor in China, you might find something that's a little expensive-ish, but still less than the US. But overall, the cost of everything is much less. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the cost of living is much less, especially resi- or homes. Like, I mean, if you live in Pudong mm-hmm. in Shanghai, which is one of the nice neighborhoods for the people who don't know, then yeah, it, rent's going to be high, but it's not going to be like Manhattan high, you know? You know what? I never put two and two together because we know that, you know, uh, real estate price in first tier cities in China, I mean, it is pretty high if you want to own a place. But also at the same time, funny enough, the rent, if you compare the same level of, uh, you know, real estate price to own a place and renting it out, the rental price in that sense is so much cheaper than New York. Mm, mm. Like I'm paying a lot more to own it, but I'm renting it out uh, mm. at a lower price. If you look at most of the countries around the world, living is much easier than the United States. I'm not just talking about China. That's our experience. We're in China and we can see that the experience of living here is cheaper. But if you go to South Korea, it's cheaper. If you go to France, it's cheaper. If you go to most countries around the world, it's America that the corporations have taken over slowly. You know, it is in the interest of a corporation to find a niche and then to grow in that niche. So corporations have found every niche and they've grown and they've pushed how profitable their companies are as carefully with great amounts of math and science and all of these really smart people working really hard and very carefully <laughs> to t- get the maximum amount of money from people at every angle. And so Americans are finally in a position where they're just boxed in yeah. by corporations trying to extract the maximum amount of wealth out of them. And like that is not a healthy situation to be in. You can't keep letting it go that route. Well, I mean, at some point it's going yeah, to. Some, yeah, exactly. Something has to give. I mean, I think with the ending of the moratoriums, if student loans are turned back on, you're, we're probably looking at America fundamentally changing. I don't know what that means. I'm not a futurologist, yeah. but it's definitely, it can't, the, the status quo can't be maintained. And obviously people already cannot afford to buy homes and there's a home shortage and houses are half a million, like now in, in, in 50 cities around the United States. That's a half a million average median to buy a home. It is, I, don't, I really don't understand how the United States is going to come through this in terms of like, <laughs> Where are people going to live? How are people going to live? You can't just have the wealthy controlling everything. It doesn't w- make sense in the long run. It's not tenable. <laughs> they don't make enough to they don't make enough to buy homes and they could only eat lentils. That's their income. That's their income <laughs> oh, level. Oh. It's so sad. It's terrible. It's, it's really it really is sad. Yeah. It's it's tragically stra- I mean imagine the stress that people are under in the United States in these situations. And you know the thing about it is they always talk about oh well they could go and try to change politics. 
If you're working 80 hours or 60 hours. Oh, try that. Yeah, Chia, you try to go take time to go protest in Washington, D.C. or something. You don't have time. You are busy paying your bills or you're going to be homeless. I worked I, I worked as a, a state house correspondent for a local newspaper in Boston. So I was in the state house for four months. I was going there at least three days out of a week. And we sat in so many, uh, uh, so many meetings where they're, quote unquote, hearing the 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 public's voice and stuff and I, we see how those people really they spend the whole day there mm. like how many days can you afford taking off of work to do that really mm. and like it just kind of mm. annoys me when people are like oh why don't you just go do that and make a change i'm like yeah sure are you gonna feed me yeah fine yeah. pay you pay my mortgage i'll go <laughs> You know, it's really interesting to me. I really find this fascinating. And I think there probably are books on it. I just haven't found them. But like, if you go to the right wing, like the base, they're not wealthy. They're like, most of them are, you know, regular working Joes or Janes. And they're struggling to meet the bills. And they believe like, oh, those wealthy elite Democrats are making everything hard for them. If you go to the left and you look at people, they're working really hard. They're, they have all kinds of jobs, serving jobs and whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week trying to pay all of their bills. And then they're looking uh, a lot of them at the right wing and they're like, look at those wealthy Republicans. It's the poor people are on both sides. They're blaming each other when it's not oh, any of their fault. It's like, the, the elites are in both camps and they're they're running everything. And it's really just perplexing how the leadership should see that it is in their interest to help the people. I don't know the solution. There are so many different ways that this problem, these problems could be tackled. You know, you've got a, your series of people with hundreds of billions of dollars. Obviously, maybe a tax, there's a tax incentive or some kind of solution there. Or maybe like, you know, wealth could be built in different ways. I, I'm not trying to propose yeah. a particular solution from a particular political camp. I, I am saying that leadership needs to do something. I think one of the things that can be done is like, if you have 45 million people with student loans and they it's unachievable, you know, cancel the interest. Oh, my God. Or, I mean, obviously, a lot of them are saying like... Um, cancel their student loans or cancel 50,000 of student loans or whatever. But I mean, I don't know if that's the right solution, but I do think if you have six or 7% interest on your student loans, they're never going to go away. So just cancel the interest exactly. and you could really take the pressure off of like tens of millions of American people. Those people may have jobs that they don't want, that they have to have to pay their student loans. They're the most educated Americans. I'm not saying they're better, but they might be able to provide new products and services to revolutionize the American economy in some way exactly. that could provide new income and jobs and taxes for the United States and for its people. Just free them from their chains and America might actually be able to grow in the way that it once did, you know? Good uh, perspective because those people are forced to just do the job that they could get the fastest so they can start paying back what they paid to learn i'm like it's so it's a i think i think we i i said this joke that someone said they're like you pay to go get an english degree in college and then you graduate with a lot of loans and then the only thing you can do is to teach english because that's you know that's the only thing you can do what you bring more people into the english major for college and they're going to they're going to get their loans and they have to teach english so it's like an infinite it's an infinite cycle 
cycle. It's a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can look at a lot of majors like that. I My feeling is that if someone wants to study like philosophy or history or English or something like that, which, you know, there are not a lot of careers in philosophy. <laughs> like I know. It should be that there are places for them besides Starbucks that they can go and work. No offense, Starbucks. I love your coffee. <laughs> I, <laughs> please continue to serve me. I know. It's, it's sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I don't hate the fact like if you're still in school and you want to make some changes, you want to make some extra cash and you choose to go work in the workforce, whatever job it is, be it, a, be it a, being a barista at Starbucks or waiting tables or whatever, while you're in school, you're kind of, you know, enriching your, your, your social experience and you're knowing what real society is like. Actually, that actually gives you uh, an edge that gives you a leg up when you do uh, enter the workforce after you graduate. But like after you graduate, if you have to do those jobs just so that I don't become a person with a bad credit, which is going to result in my possible, you know, not homelessness might be too much, but you know, I won't be able to buy a home or whatsoever. Then that's, that's a situation that is not right. <laughs> I want to take a different tact a little bit and talk about some of the stuff that China has done successfully. So it is well known by people who read <laughs> that China was able to take 800 million people and raise them out of poverty over the last two or three decades. And now that China has eliminated what we, what the UN and China call absolute poverty, which means the people who were formerly like not able to get the necessary nutrients to survive, basically, ha now have access to medicine, access to healthcare, access to housing. You know, one of the things, and I did a lot of research on this, one of the things, because China did a ton of different things, it was not just one thing that they did, or even 10 things, it was hundreds of different tactics to, yeah. to raise these people out of poverty, because there was different situations and different areas and moving people around, was they did build homes for people. They literally built, yep. you know, hundreds of thousands of homes free for people. Yep. So there's like maybe a group of people in a mountain pass and they've lived there for hundreds of years as a generationally as a family or like, you know, a community. And so China's like, it's very difficult to help you there. So we found this place next to the mountain mm -hmm. and we, the government took control of it. It was just farming. And now we've built, you know, mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of homes for you and everyone on the mountain can come down and live free yeah. in these homes. Now, a lot of people in America on all kinds of parts of the spectrum of the politics, they, oh, you can't just give people homes. Well, why not? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> if you have 580,000 homeless people, you need to do something. That is not humane. It, that is not treating people with the dignity that they that we all deserve. So I, I I do think that the United States should find some land that maybe is not doing anything. I I could think of a ton of places that it is not doing anything and then just build homes yeah. with government money and just say here okay here homeless people this is your address this is your address that you live here now. We've got this community. And you know what another thing China does has done did and is doing is that they are 
helping people develop livelihoods. Yeah. So they're helping. So there was a community and they're growing berries of some kind. And the Chinese government came in and they gave them cell phones and internet yep. and electricity. And they say, okay, now here's how to use this phone, some basic classes to find markets for your product. And here's a some infrastructure for logistics. And you now you can sell your products all over China yeah. or all over the world even. And so those people now are not just selling their berries in their community. They're selling their berries globally or nationally. And so these people don't need handouts. Yep. They don't need the government to constantly be giving them a stipend every year. They can make their own money, which is also a source of pride. And, you know, that is something to value too. You know, there's the phrase, uh, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man yep. to fish, he eats. That's actually a Chinese phrase. Yes. That, that comes from China. Do you, do, you, do you want me to say it in Chinese? <laughs> oh, yes, please do. Please okay, do. Here's, here's how it goes on Learn It. It says, it's very simple. Eight, eight syllables, eight sounds, okay? Sorry, not eight, mm. Uh, mm. ten. Shou ren yi yu bu ru shou ren yi Shou ren yi yu bu bu Ah, I can't do it. I'll teach, you, I'll teach you off of off of it. It's, it's, sure, it's, sure, it's, sure. it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> good job, good job. Thank it's, you. it's very, it's, it's a very, uh, it's kind of a principle that a lot of Chinese people go by where I feel like a lot of the so-called alleviation uh, measures that I've seen in, in the United States, mm. including how they were dealing with the pandemic. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done the the check. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when they said, oh, that's how we're gonna help people with their situ with their difficult situation. We're just gonna give, we're just gonna give everybody uh twelve hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah. And then they're gonna use that money. And then what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh I'm hungry. I'm going to be hungry for the foreseeable future. Years. I mean like, oh here's here's you know yeah. Some fish. Yeah, they made they made twenty or thirty thousand. They were living at the poverty line, and then the government says, "Here's your twelve hundred check dollar check. You'll be fine for the next two years." Really? Yeah. <laughs> like I, when they, I was just like, that is so irresponsible. Like I'm sorry. I know that it was the first time in for this generation mm. to deal with a global pandemic like this. And of course, not all the policies or all the reactions are going to be well calculated or well planned. But that I'm just like, are you you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of like those rich people in movies who are like, like, I want you to do something that's really degrading. But here's five hundred dollars. Do <laughs> what's, wow. what's the care? What's hmm. the is there any thinking behind that? <laughs> China is now trying to help export this process that it used to alleviate poverty in its own country to other countries in great need. So that, you know, there are nations around the world that are attempting to emulate yep. the processes that China used to help people. Now, I don't mean to insult America and I don't, you know, a lot of listeners might take this the wrong way, but I think that there are parts of that process that can be applied to America, even though America is a very developed country and these problems shouldn't be happening there, they are. And so I think that there's a lot that America can learn from China and maybe take some of these policies and apply them in America in an American way, you know, like in an American style that would help <laughs> with the reality of the humanitarian crises of yep. having half a million homeless people and probably more people coming into that situation in the immediate future. So I think America should turn to China and say, you know, with <laughs> some humility, could we take some of these ideas and implement them and like, you know, do so to uh, two keywords. 
medical insurance. I've oh, I I'm I'm dead serious <laughs> about this. The the one of the major changes for the Chinese government to be able to reach the goal of eradication of absolute poverty. Mm. Part of it was the medical insurance system mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for people living in rural areas, mm. and I know this for sure because that's what my my mom's family is still living in rural China mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. in Dongbei. You know, like real real we said real Nongchun, like real rural city. It's not like it's just far off and it's pretty. Like the the bathroom is like still the kind of the hole on the ground kind of bathroom that will preserve like natural fertilizer for the farm field. <laughs> um, and they live that life every day. They know that I know for a fact how much they didn't have to pay if you have something that's, uh, if you have like a major condition, if you pay, I think if the cost of your medical bill is more than, um, I think 18,000 kwai, which is about $3,000, then the government will will cover at least 70% of it. Mm. I want to add to that, actually. I have a story. So I don't want to embarrass any one of my family members, but this is a family member of my wife who lives in China who uh-huh. hasn't had a job in I don't know how long, 20, 30 years. So she doesn't even pay into the system in any kind of meaningful way. But uh, she recently had kidney stones. Mm. Ooh, and painful. so she needs to go... Yeah, she was in excruciating pain, brought her to the hospital... They, she stayed in the hospital for like five or six days while they used this sound machine to Uh. break up the components of the, so she could uh, secrete them, (laughs) the right word, (laughs) Uh, expel them through her urine. And then, you know, that she didn't need surgery or whatever. She obviously, she saw a lot of different doctors, a lot of different nurses. She stayed in the hospital and she paid at the end, (laughs) nothing. She, keep in mind, she has no job. And the only insurance provided to her or the insurance provided to her is state insurance. It's the insurance that almost every like 99 percent of people in China have. So she just had state insurance, completely jobless, went, had very complicated work done, stayed in the hospital for days and now owes nothing. So imagine that in America. That is no, you can't be jobless with no insurance other than what the government's going to give you and go stay in the hospital to to have some very complicated, very high tech procedures done. You're going to come out owing, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands, at least tens (laughs) of thousands of dollars, minimum tens of, and if you have insurance, probably tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. you, You mentioned insurance and you're talking about people who are in rural areas. You're absolutely right. That makes a massive difference in these people's lives. Yeah. And speaking of uh, medical insurance, this is not, you know, related to poverty, but I just, just it's a funny story that I want to share. Sure. Speaking of how ridiculous the amount of this you have to pay for something that's basic. So um, we know this guy who is, he's Chinese and I by no means advocate for this. I don't encourage this kind of act, but he was going to school in Philadelphia. And one day uh, they went to a friend's house and they were eating hot pot, whatever. And they got really excited and he drank a little too much so his roommates were kind of carrying him home and it was later it was later at night and there were not that many people on the street and they got stopped by two police officers because he was pretty much blacked out drunk and his friends were carrying him Mm. the police officers stopped them and he was like they were like you have to show us that he could walk on his on his own. And his friends are like, he can't. Like, we live together. We just came from a friend's party. And these two officers just wouldn't let them go. Mm. And they were like, 
let go of him. If he could stand, you could go. <laughs> so they let go of the guy and the guy just collapsed onto the ground like a puddle of mud. And the police officer was like, all right, we're taking him to the hospital. And of course, they didn't take him to the hospital in the police car. They called an ambulance. No. And yeah. And so they they sent him to the hospital and they, they did the whole thing where what do you call that? Where they feed you the bubbles to clear your stomach. Mm. Um, next morning, he woke up and he was like, why well, am I in the hospital? And he was like, whatever. Like they told. And then his friends were like, yeah, the police forced you to come here. He went back home two, three weeks later. He got a bill. And that was the ambulance bill. It was $5,600. Oh, wow. And then he said, he was, he's also. Coming. No more hot pot for me. <laughs> Worse. He came from a, you know, a well, very well off family. And he didn't really need that degree. He just wanted the experience. And he's like, huh, you know what? I'm just going to go home and inherit my parents' uh, company. <laughs> and he's like, bye bye, this bill. Whoever wants to pay, you can pay it. And he just left. And I was wow. like, you know, I was like, that's why I said I don't advocate this kind of uh, act. But if you're a Chinese student, if you're just an international student, you're not making money yet. But it's like i didn't even call the ambulance the 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 officer did yeah. and i have to pay that so i don't know just a funny story wow. i thought it was i laughed so hard when my friends told you me that. bring up another point you know i read was reading this about europe ambulances are free and pretty much everywhere in the world like europeans look at america and like you paid for an ambulance this is like this is a very american thing that you have to pay for someone to drive you to the hospital like and a ridiculous amount as well. Yeah, like I can understand you. Okay, it's an emergency vehicle. Pay me as like a taxi fee, <laughs> like or, or charge me a taxi fee. Sure, like it is. That's really crazy. Yeah, charge me like a hundred dollars. I'll 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 take it. Yeah, right? I, I can be responsible. I'll pay for like you know the cost of paying the paramedics and the ambulance. But no, it's a profit driven system. And again, it's they trying to they found the exact right amount to try to charge people to extract the maximum amount of wealth out of people and it's just not fair it's just that you know how can you live in a system where you owe i don't know thirty thousand student loans and you owe thirty thousand in medical debt and you can't afford a home and you have to rent from a corporation and you're getting paid seven dollars an hour this system <coughs> doesn't make sense like how are people supposed to survive how are people surviving how is it that they i mean I guess they're just increasingly very soon not going to. Which be. I hope doesn't doesn't happen. It's just that we were already having such kind of, you know, a, a not a doomsday. That's a little too much. But, you know, <laughs> but we were already looking at this world and feeling just super gloomy with all with everything. Honestly, with everything that's been happening lately. I don't know if uh, there's just. <laughs> Well, I feel lucky every day I wake up in China. Honestly, I'm I'm like, wow, I made the right. You know, so, you know when I first moved to China, I was like, am I doing the right thing? But increasingly, I'm like, woohoo. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I, I hope I hope more people feel that way. Well, I, I don't know if I, I want all of my American friends coming over here and ruining it for me. Taking it away from you. They're going to they're going to take the, the resources away from you. They're going to take your happiness. <laughs> well, you know, not a lot of folks can travel into China and live here right now. But when they turn the tap back on, I'm sure it's of young Americans with degrees and looking for, you know, their travel experience and live abroad are going to come back. And, uh, you know, it's not the same anymore. I'm wondering how that's going to take place because, you know, it used to be that there were a lot of English training positions for like training schools, but those don't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So if you want to come over to China now, you need a teaching certificate 
to work in a school, a real proper school. So I think even when they turn the tap back on, we're going to see less foreigners able to come over for that purpose. So I I like the idea of people to people exchanges. Right. So I think that the the goal should be Americans coming over to go to study in Chinese universities because then they can finish their four years or whatever, you know, maybe they go for a graduate degree, one or two years, and then they can return to the United States and they can say, hey, look, things are cool. Like, maybe we could have some of that stuff, too. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard a lot of my American friends, including my boyfriend, having to tell their family and friends in the U.S. and be like, no, 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 it's not what you see on the media. It's not that. It's really, really modern. It's super modern. It's a lot more modern than you could even imagine. And people are really nice. Like you said, people always treat you really nice. And mm. my boyfriend likes to, you know, particularly brags about, brag about the unlikely friends that he will make in China, mm. you know, because he's American and how people would not look at him and be like, oh, he's different. I don't want to talk to him. It's like, oh, you're different. Uh, What do you do? Oh, you do animation. That's cool. And they become friends just like, you know, really some of those friends I might not even be able to like, I'm not interesting enough for them to be my friends. But my boyfriend is. You digress a little bit. You know, I want to digress with you. There's something really interesting about older people in China. They're braver than younger Chinese folks. Like if I go out in public, people say, oh, look, it's a foreigner. And they'd like, I can even hear them speaking in Chinese about like wanting to come talk to me. (laughs) But if you are like an old man or an old woman in China, they just walk straight up to me. Hey, how's it going? Where are you from? Like, it's like, oh yeah, wow. They have no, they're a very, very brave generation of folks. Yeah, I make a lot of older Chinese friends, like, like retirees, because they're just very brave. They just walk straight up to me and just like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, I, I went to America when I was, you know, in my in my youth and I liked it a lot. What, are you from there? <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what do you think of China? Oh, cool. What are you doing here? And they're just really, really open. And it's it's very pleasant experience to like just instantaneously be able to meet new people. Like yeah. That. I mean, they will give you a lot of uh social media content as well and if you could master the skill of having a conversation (laughs) with an elderly chinese person then that's i guess that's the official sign of you being chinese-fied or chinese you start your chinese Chinese tification sinification sinification i'm trying to try Sanification? I'm not sure. I don't know if that's a real world pe- word, people. If you want, to <laughs> yes, please don't quote us. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, I want to try to end on a positive note that the current White House administration did delay the student loans again, and it looks like they're gonna do something. They just don't know what to do or whatever. So I think there's still hope. My, for our American listeners, don't give up all hope. It looks like there, you know, something is going to happen. The government is aware that something needs to be done. Maybe it's not agreed upon mm-hmm. what, how they're going to tackle all of these different issues of medical debt and student debt and like moratoriums ending on on, on, on evictions and, and like the inflation. I think they will do something. Hopefully they do a lot of something and not just like a Band-Aid. Yeah. So, you know. Hang in there. Yeah, and uh, I I don't want to sound like I am taking advantage of the situation, but I am sure there's a lot of doors open over here on the other end of the Pacific (laughs) Ocean. (laughs) You know, actually, I do that on my Twitter. I always like when I see people like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I say, "Uh, just DM me. I'll I'll help you. I'll I'll help you find a way over here, buddy. And I actually get a lot of people who DM me. It's like, how can I come? How can I come? Yeah. Follow (laughs) follow us on the show. Follow us on social media. Find uh, Jason and I on social media. And uh, 
we could chat. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to all of you in our next episode. See you guys next time. Bye.